0: Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at Again, we hope you enjoy this message. It's good to see everyone this morning. We appreciate you're giving to the Lord much appreciated, and your faithfulness in that. Well, let's just start off. Turn to your neighbor and say, "You're in the right place, at the right time, right now." Come on, give the Lord a big praise today. We appreciate you being here this morning. So we're in a series today, a new series, a Christmas series called Joy. Say Joy. And most of us this morning know the song "Joy to the World." We're not going to sing it, but uh, but. But when we think about joy, we often wonder what is so joyous and why is there joy? Well, it's actually found in Scripture in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And the great joy was the truth that God was going to come to earth in human flesh. And he was going to be the one that would redeem us from sin. In fact, the Bible says that his name would be called Emmanuel. That's one of many names. Emmanuel means God is with us. We would be able to see God face to face, and he would rescue us from our sin. He would heal us of our infirmities, and he would make us right with God. And so that's why the Scripture says there would be great, great joy. But there's a promise in Scripture. It's a prophetic uh, promise back in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and I want to read this to you. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Consular. How many need some counsel sometime? Mighty God, Eternal Father, and then it says Prince of Peace. And so today I want to kind of hone in on this particular verse here, or on this title, Prince of Peace. But before I do, I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us as we dive in to this message today. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your word is true, that your word is powerful, that your word is relevant in 2019, and that it applies to every area of our lives today. And so I pray, God, wherever people are at in their heart right now, Whatever state of mind they're in, I pray the word of God would minister to them. Lord, remove the distraction. There are so many distractions today. Our, our phones, our pop-ups, our advertisements, social media. So, Lord, right now, just remove that from our hearts and minds. Help us to focus on you. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare the word of God. And, Father, the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. And so today I want to kind of hone in on this particular prophecy that was given 700 years before Jesus was born. Now, there's something about being the Prince of Peace, and especially in our culture today. People are kind of enamored about kingdoms and thrones and princesses and Prince and all these different things. There are all kinds of games, uh, Game of Thrones. There are, uh, you know, Ruler of Games, Final Fantasy, Zelda. Not that I play any of these games, okay. Uh, Clan of the Clash or Clash of the Clans, Ro- Clash of Royale, all these different ones. Then you got all these different movies that have to do with princes and princesses, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and what's the name, uh, Ma- Malif- What is it? Malef- Maleficent, I guess it's called, not that I'm going to go see it. But anyway, all of that. And then you got these kids, you know, they, they have the sword, the crowns. You got the little girls who wear the nice little shoes and, and they love to wear the little crowns and princesses and all of that. Uh, people are so enamored by that. Uh, uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, we had the royal wedding and people were so enamored by that. They watched it on TV and, and every girl's dream that they would have this fairy tale wedding in a palace, and I get all of that because something deep down inside of us, we are, we bear the image of God, and part of that is because God represents a kingdom, and you and I today have it embedded in our heart that we're part of a greater kingdom, and Jesus Christ, we know, is the prince of peace, he is the God of peace that forgives us of our sins. How many can say amen? Amen. And so the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, refers to him as the prince of peace. In other words, he's our prince. Now, some of you may say, well, that's kind of awkward, uh, kind of, especially some of the guys that say, I don't need a prince. But I'm here to tell you today that God is not only the prince, but he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because as human beings, we don't do a good job. Of being rulers, we don't do a good job as being king. Most of the time we mess things up. Am I right? That's why we need God's help. Just think about this. People are always praying or always saying they want world peace, but somehow the world is still in the same condition. And when Jesus is entitled or given the title Prince of Peace, because there is a kingdom and there is a king, and his name is Jesus. And when Jesus was born. He brought joy in the world by coming as a baby, and the Bible said that he's coming again in Revelation, and he will be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, this particular prophetic word in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it was prophesied 700 years before Jesus was ever born. It's too coincidental to be a coincidence. Are you hearing me? 700 years. Before Jesus was ever born, it was prophesied that there would be a baby, and he would be the Prince of Peace. It says, "For unto us a child is born." And it was fulfilled in Scripture. And I want us to look at the Christmas story here. Just a few verses of Scripture in Luke chapter two, verse ten, we see the fulfillment of this promise being fulfilled here in Luke chapter two, verse verse ten. And this is the angels of God are pronouncing the uh, birth of Christ. They said, Do not be afraid. I bring good news. Say good news. news. Of great joy. Say joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth. See that word peace, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So the angels of God declare peace on earth. Now here's the thing that I want to say just as I begin to read this story. And most of us know the Christmas story and the birth of Christ and the fact that uh, there was a virgin. Uh, and we, we understand the, the immaculate uh, uh, conception of all of this and, and how she was conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit uh, and uh, Jesus was born. We know that story. But I want to say to you that when Jesus came and when Jesus uh, was pronounced, his birth was pronounced and the coming of his birth, I want to just say to you, there wasn't a lot of peace that came with that. Now, I want you to kind of picture with me, Mary suddenly is pregnant, okay? She's, many scholars believe she's between the age of 15 or 16 years old. So here's a young teenage girl that gets pregnant, but not by just anybody. She gets pregnant by God. Now, could you imagine being at the family reunion? Say, hey, honey, you're pregnant, yeah. Who's the father? Oh, Oh God, got me pregnant. I don't know if that goes over well. Am I right? I don't know. I don't know if everybody uh, believes that story. And the fact that she was uh, pregnant out of wedlock, she wasn't even married yet. During that time, in that in society, in that culture, she was looked down upon. And so it was probably hard for people to congratulate her and say, "Oh yeah, God's the father." Okay, that's good. And so the very beginning of Jesus. Uh, 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 the impregnation of Mary brought about not a peaceful time. And then the scripture said that she is to go back to her hometown. Her and Joseph are to go to their hometown and register because there is a census that is going on. And so they have to go back and travel. Many scholars believe they had to travel by a donkey because they, weren't, uh, they didn't have a lot of money, so they were very poor. So can you imagine being nine months pregnant not traveling in a car or train, but traveling on a donkey. For a year, nine months pregnant, traveling all this, this you know, this journey. You can imagine how hard that must have been on her, riding this donkey, nine months pregnant. And then she's about to have a baby, and Joseph is looking for a place so where they could stay. And he goes everywhere. There's no Motel 6. There's no... Uh, a flea bag place, there's nothing, there's just nothing, they, there's no place they can stay, you know what I'm talking about, right, there's just no place to stay, and finally, here Joseph uh, finds a deal, they said, well, we have an old barn in the back, and we got that deal for you, so he comes back to his wife Mary, and says, man, I got a deal, uh, uh, we got a room, it's a barn, could you imagine his nine-month pregnant wife, says, oh, that's beautiful, that's what I've always pictured, I want to give birth in front of all these animals, animal poop, in a barn with all kinds of, that's what, thanks Joseph, you've done a great job. And so she gives birth, okay, again, I believe there's no peace and and there's no epidural either, either, so could you imagine? Talk about no justice, no peace, no epidural, no peace, right, some of that. So all of that is going on, and she finally gives birth to Jesus, and you would think at that point, there's going to be peace. We often see the uh, the manger. We often often see the the nativity scene. You know, the star. Everybody's at peace. But I want you to realize something. The Bible says that King Herod is angry because he understands prophecy, and they have told him that there's a, a king that has been born. And he says, "Wait a minute. There's only one king. That's me. I want to make sure this this little." Baby's not going to grow up and overthrow me. So the scripture says that King Herod commands all the babies be killed, all the male babies, two years old and under. So you can imagine the massacre and the chaos in all of that. How could there be any peace? And I've had trouble reconciling all of this information as I'm beginning to read the scripture. There doesn't seem to be any kind of peace when the Prince of Peace was born. In fact, when I see it, there's more chaos and confusion. And then we fast forward to 2019 of December, and how many know there's still no peace? Am I right? I mean, there's protests all over the place, uh, political protests, uh, all kinds of things that are happening. And anywhere you go, there seems to be confusion. There seems to be tension. People are under financial tension. People are making more money than they've ever made, but yet they're still financially strapped. There's relational tension. People have problems with their family, people have problems with different uh, things that are going on. Uh, uh, talk about Christmas time trying to park in the mall today. It's hard to get a parking spot without somebody flipping you off and all that. You know what I'm talking about. And, and then and then you turn on the news. And all you see is terrorism, all you see is school shooting, all you see is countries that are at war. Where is the Prince of Peace? Je- did Jesus fail being the Prince of Peace? Let's be honest today. I may sound like a heretic to you. You may be saying, how could you say that, Pastor? And I, let me finish. Let me just say this to you. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in Hebrew, it's the word sar shalom. Now, I, I don't speak Hebrew, so that's the best I can give it, okay? Sar shalom. The word sar, let me just tell you the first word. The word sar means the one that is in charge. He is the sar. he's the captain. means lord. It means chief. It means general. The Romans, they used the word sar, and it became the word zar, and also became part of the name, which became the name Caesar, because Julius Caesar got that from Sar, because him being the captain. So Jesus is the captain. He's the chief. He's the Sar Shalom. Shalom was actually a greeting that people gave to one another. It means rest. It means tranquility. It means wholeness. It means completeness. So Jesus is the Sar Shalom. Basically, you could say he is the captain of rest. He is the captain of tranquility. He is the chief of contentment. Jesus Christ is the star is the shalom. And yet, the Bible says, that in the midst of all of that, the star shalom shows up in the midst of chaos. Now, what does that mean today to you and I? How can we have this star Shalom? How can the star Shalom bring calmness and wholeness and peace to our life? We have to get under the submission of the Sar Shalom. See, the reason why many of us don't have the peace of God, because we have not submitted ourselves to Jesus. We're still doing our own thing. The word submit comes from the word submission. Submission means sub, that means under. Mission is his mission. When you get under his mission, you will have the peace of God. See, the reason why people don't experience peace, because you're not under his mission, you're doing your own mission. And people can't experience the peace. They're wondering, man, where can I get peace? Well, if you're getting loaded every Saturday night, and then you show up to Sunday, you're not going to have any peace. You'll be fighting for peace, but you won't have peace. If you're always arguing with your wife and cussing her out on Sunday morning and then you come to church, you're not going to have any peace. Somebody say amen or oh me or whatever you want to say. It's only when we get under the lordship of the Sar Shalom, the one who is in charge, the prince of peace, can we experience his amazing peace. The reason why our lives are falling apart is because we are not under the will or under the submission of the prince of peace. See, the prince of peace or peace is not just having an easy feeling. Peace is not something after you have a drink of champagne. Peace is complete rest and wholeness and knowing where you're at, no matter what the situation, you have an eternal peace. Can you say amen? And so when you put yourself under the star shalom, under the prince of peace, I want you to understand something that you are taking on his peace. He gives you a peace that you cannot manufacture on your own. Let me just say, let me show you a scripture out of John 14, 27. This is Jesus speaking. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. See, the world tries to give you peace through a a, a cigarette, through alcohol, through all these things. It don't last. It's temporary. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The peace that I give you, he says, doesn't come from the world. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away, right? So whose peace is he giving you? He's giving you his peace. How do you get the peace of God? How do you take upon someone's peace? How is it? That you can take upon somebody's piece. I'll give you a few illustrations, so maybe you'll understand. Have you ever been trying to do some car repair? Or you or you've been you're looking to try to fix your car, and you know you 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 fiddled with a few things, and you realize I don't know what I'm doing. But then you got a friend that's a real good mechanic. It's always good to have a friend like that, right? And the minute he shows up, it's like this peace comes over you, like. Everything's going to be all right. He's going to resolve it. And he said, Oh, yeah, that's just this move that, move the combo move the, all that other stuff over here. And that's all we got to do. Man, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Oh, let's go to the store, spend $10. He puts it right in. And you have this peace. Why? Not because you did it on your own, because his peace came on you. Are you with me? We have a guy here in the church who brings peace to me all the time. Whenever I walk around and I see something that's broken and, and I don't know how to fix it, I said, man, man, what are we going to do here? His name is Rene Robles. He shows up. <laughs> this guy is amazing. I mean, he can build a structure with super glue and, 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 and a paper clip. I mean, he can do a lot of different things. This guy, if you know him, he's not here. He's on vacation right now. He'll be back. But in, anything we give him to do, he goes, oh, I know how to fix that. I, I, I'll do that. Oh, yeah, you know, you just do this. and move that. Oh, yeah, I see how it works. I'm, and he starts taking everything apart. I go, oh, my goodness, taking it apart. And he goes, oh, yeah, see how it works over here, all that. Oh, yeah, I can solder this over here, move that over there. And we're done. I go, yes, yes. I have a piece. Are you with me? His piece came on me. Years ago, I remember going to uh, this one area of Los Angeles, the bad area. We wanted to do an outreach there. And I have some family in, in, in my family. I have some Some police officers, and uh, uh, they they were Christians as well, so they came with me and a group of other guys, and we went to this one area, and I remember we were kind of driving around, and we kind of, you know, wanted to kind of stake out the area to see where we would try to do an outreach, maybe set up a band outdoors. We were kind of looking around, and the guy that was driving, I don't know what got into his mind, but he took a wrong turn, and we are now in the middle of the projects. And the guy that was driving sticks out like a sore thumb. Okay. He's just this white dude with long hair. You don't drive through in the projects with long hair white dude. It just doesn't work, okay. I have nothing against white people. I'm just saying it didn't fit. It wasn't working that day. In the project. it don't work. And all of a sudden, I said, oh, man, we we are not not in a good place right now. We're sitting ducks. But I remember my family members had, uh, 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 they had a gun, and they knew how to use it, so the, the fact that he carried a piece gave me peace, are you with me, <laughs> and everything was calm. Am I explaining that right? His peace, got on my heart, and I had peace. <laughs> Maybe I'm not saying that right, but anyway... You get what I'm saying. You get his peace on you because he carries the peace. Anyway, so here we go. How do we get into that? So when you get under Jesus, you get his peace. Are you hearing me? When you're facing things in life, you get that peace of Jesus, whatever you're going through. We can be dealing with all kinds of things, especially during this season There's uh, all kinds of heavy schedules, things that we got to do. You got to go to grandma's house. You got to clean the house. You got to do all these different things. And if we're not careful, anxiety can get a hold of us. And all of a sudden, all these things begin to bombard us. In fact, I want to announce to you today that there is an emotional epidemic that is impacting people, not only occupying space in our country, but it's occupying space in the church, it's an emotional epidemic that is disruptive and destructive. In fact, the Wall Street Journal put out an article and suggested that it's responsible for taking more lives than smoking, drinking, and lack of exercise combined. It said it is such a weapon of mass destruction that the University of London said it's an emotional epidemic that if it's not properly managed, was six more times predictive of cancer, heart disease, smoking, high cholesterol, and elevated blood pressure. I'm referring to an invisible thing, you can't see it, an intangible thing, you can't touch it. What I'm talking about today is stress. All of us this morning are going to be impacted by stress. And it doesn't have, it's not discriminative. In other words, it doesn't discriminate by your age. Doesn't matter, it can come knocking at your door if you're old, and it can walk in the room if you're young. It has the way this morning that no matter if you're rich or you're poor, it could show up at your front door. Everyone, no matter what state you're in, can begin to experience stress, you become vulnerable when you are stressful. Just think about it. People are stressed everywhere for all kinds of different reasons. You can get a student who is stressing over test exams. Then you got the teacher who's stressing over grading the test. Are you with me? You can have someone this morning that is stressing perhaps uh, because they don't like the job that they have. And then you got the other person that's stressing because they don't have a job. You can have a person that is stressing trying to find a house. Then you have the other person that's stressing because they can't afford the house they're in. You have another person that is stressing over a wedding. Then you have another person stressing over a broken marriage. You have people that are stressing today because uh, they can't uh, uh, gain any weight. And then you got other people stressing because they keep gaining weight. Are you with me? You got people all over that are stressing. Someone today is stressing because they want children and they can't have any. And parents are stressing because they have children and can't get rid of them. No, I'm not kidding. Not nobody here. That's, that's a joke. That's not true. That's not what, no, not here in this church. I know no one here has ever heard your teenager say, I hate you. I, I know, no, it's never happened here in praise Chapel, I know that. So anyway, uh, when I'm, I'm talking about stress, guys, stress. And, and stress can get a hold of a lot of people. I mean, your, your family get-together, instead of a, a Merry Christmas, it becomes a, a scene of Jerry Springer, am I right? It's just like, oh my gosh, these are my family members, I can't believe it. And some of you might say, well, you know, uh, how do I experience the peace that you're talking about? Well, you got to get under Jesus. Can you say amen? you got to get under the star. Shalom. Now, I want to tell you some good news here. In Philippians chapter 4, I love this verse of Scripture. It said, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, in other words, when you pray, you don't thank God after the prayer. You thank God during the prayer. Present your request to God. And then it says this, and the peace of God. Say peace of God, which transcend all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that word right there says do not be anxious for anything. What it means is do not be overwhelmed. Do not be pulled in so many different directions. Don't get so worried about everything. All of us at one point in life, you're going to start worrying about things. You're going to be anxious. You're going to feel overwhelmed about things. And Paul is writing this scripture. Here's the interesting thing about Paul when he wrote this verse of scripture. He's in prison. He's actually in a dungeon when he wrote that verse of scripture. And he's saying, don't be anxious. Don't be overwhelmed. What's your excuse? This guy's in prison, man, for preaching the gospel. He had not done anything wrong but sharing the good news. But because people didn't want to hear the truth, they put him in prison and he writes to us and he's saying, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart. See, I just want to say to you, just because you experience hardship doesn't mean you can't have any peace. There are times and moments in life where things are going to get tough and you're going to have to trust in the peace of God in your life. I read this thing. It says, peace is not the absence of a problem. Peace is the addition of power in the midst of your problem. There is a woman by the name of Corey Ten Boon. Most of you might have heard her. Of heard of her, Her, she was a Dutch Christian, and along with her father and other family members, they helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during the World War II, and was imprisoned for it. In fact, she lost all of her family members, but she wrote the book called *The Hiding Place*. And she writes this down. She goes, "When I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed." But when I look at Jesus, I am at rest. Hallelujah. I like that. She learned to be at rest no matter the turmoil and no matter the pain and the heartache that she was going through. There are times in life, the greatest way to know Christ many times is when you go through some of the most difficult times in life. Are you listening to me? My wife and I years ago went through a very difficult time. Many times people look at me and say, oh, your life is just so perfect. Your life, everything's all together. I want you to know I've gone through some battles in life. In fact, in 1992, my wife was pregnant. She was six months pregnant, and we were excited for our second baby. Our church, all the couples in our church were leaving to the uh, marriage retreat the very next day. We were excited about going, but that morning she got up and she said, the baby hasn't moved in about a half hour. I said, you sure? She said, yeah. Baby constantly moving, and I'm not feeling the baby move. And so, waited for an hour. The baby didn't move. So, we went down to the hospital, tried to get a heartbeat. And to our devastation, they found no heartbeat. Then the, then the doctor said, I have more sad news for you. She said, you actually were having twins. But both of them have died. and So here we are in the hospital. We're pastoring a church. We're getting ready to go to a marriage retreat. And my wife, who is six months pregnant, has twin babies that are, that are in her stomach that basically are dead. And then she has to give birth to stillborn. They have to induce the labor. So there we are. And she gives birth to two stillborn babies. Very difficult time in our life. Very hard to have peace in the midst of that. But can I tell you something? In the midst of that, somehow, God gave us this supernatural peace. Are you with me? In fact, it was a week later that my wife came on a platform and she became part of the worship team. She would never part of the worship team. But she said, honey, I, I, I want to join the worship team. I just feel in my heart I'm supposed to sing and praise God. And so I want you to realize today you can have peace in the midst of your trial today. (laughs) See, this is what the scripture says. Be anxious for nothing. Don't let things overwhelm you. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 34, he said, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Actually, the word is worry. She said, sufficient for the days is its own trouble. Let me read you this. There's two days you should never worry about. You should never worry about yesterday because yesterday is gone and you can do nothing about it. And you should never worry about tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. There are times that you and I, we worry so much about things. And yet, if you read Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to wear don't worry about what, all these different things. And then he said, you know what? The sparrow, the very birds, God takes care of them. Have you ever seen the birds on the telephone while they're worried? Like, oh, man, I don't know what we're going to do. They're not worried. Maybe, maybe we should move to Arizona. Man, California's getting expensive. We got to move. They're not worried. Birds aren't worried. They're not worried about anything. But yet we worry. We're, we, you know, we're, 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 the only, we're the only living things on the planet that worry. He said, don't worry. He goes, even the flowers, they're taken care of. Don't worry about these things. And we we find ourselves worrying. We're we're human beings that are always worrying. I read this story about this one guy who wanted to get rid of all of his worries. His neighbor said, "Uh, what's going on? He said, well, I hired a man to do all of my worrying for me. He said, really, how did you hire this man? He said, well, I'm paying him $100,000 to do all of my worrying. $100,000, how do you pay somebody $100,000 to do all of your worrying? He said, I don't know. That's something he has to worry about. <laughs> Here's the reality. We can't hire anyone to do our worrying, but there's someone you could take your worry to. There's someone that can lift all of your worries and all of your burdens. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Basically, what the scripture is saying is that you get all of your cares, put it in like in a knapsack. Really, that's the expression. And you cast it toward God. So here it is. I'm not going to worry about it. See, how in the world this morning I've met people and I've experienced myself somehow, in the midst of the most trials and battles in life and all these things, there seems to be this supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. The Bible said there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it said, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. That term, guard your heart, Paul knew that term very good because he was in the midst, he was in prison, and there were Roman guards all around him, in fact, outside the prison, what they called a garrison. And when he used the word guard your heart, he's saying God will put a garrison of the peace of God around your heart, around your mind. Many times things will happen in life and say, "Well, where's the peace of God? You know what? This tragedy happened. Uh, you must not be right with God. God's punishing you. You must. God must not like it. That's a fat lie. And I'm here to tell you today: the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Don't let don't let people don't let the lies of the devil tell you. You know this and that, friend. I'm. I'm see, we don't understand why any all these things happen. We we have no idea. Things in life happen unexpectedly, but I know who I can trust. I know who I can take my problems to, my anxiety to. It's the Prince of Peace today that I can cast all my care upon him today. See, if you don't have Jesus, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. But if you get to know Jesus, if you know Jesus, you'll have peace.